Hey Coconuts, thank you for consuming all the episodes so far. I hope you've learned a lot and built your confidence towards buying your first home. I would say I definitely learned a lot after talking to all these people and putting the whole season together. Like we have established, there were some new property measures announced by the Ministry of National Development while we were putting together the season and gathering our stories. However, the good news is the concepts discussed, stories shared and the overall arc of discussion stays applicable and valuable. So, no worries lah, huh? you never waste your time consuming the whole season. <laughs> The other great news is that the new measures doesn't really affect first-time homeowners much. I will share with you a little bit more about what has changed, my thoughts on it, and also plug in the whole interview with CPF rep Lin. She spent time with our other host, Andrew from Chills of TFC, to answer all the FAQs that people have from CPF when it comes to mortgage and property. After that, I will come back to do the whole closing shenanigan. I love these vibes where we kind of huddle together and be a little bit more backstagey and just kind of close off the whole season to revisit some of the consolidated lessons that I have learned. I've definitely picked up a lot of valuable knowledge putting this episode together. It's a part of my learning journey as much as it is yours. So I hope you feel more confident and more prepared. No longer scared scared huh, when buying your first property <laughs> like the many predecessors that have paved the way. So yes, welcome back to Season 2 of Coconut Avenue. Season 2 of Coconut Avenue is sponsored by Mortgage Master. Their mortgage broker in Singapore with access to the lowest unpublished housing loan rates offered by the banks and financial institutions. Check them out at mortgagemaster.com.sg. I want to once again thank them for supporting us in producing this season and I hope you will find them valuable in your mortgage shopping experience. Importantly, I have an announcement. We are entertaining the idea of turning Coconut Avenue into a weekly show focused on property investments in the region. So let us know if this is something you find valuable. Email to hello at financialcoconut.com or join our community telegram group to tell me you want this. On the one fine night, when Singaporeans were stuck at home, deep in their slumber, on the 15th of December 2021, Singapore's Ministry of National Development issued a press release with new property measures taking effect on the 16th of December. In other words, pretty much with immediate effect. Now, immediately when you wake up, tung -tung, things have changed. The opening paragraph says, the government announced today a package of measures to cool the private residential and HDB resale markets. With effect from 16th of December 2021, additional buyer's stamp duty ABSD rates will be raised, and the total debt servicing ratio TDSR threshold will be tightened. The government will also tighten the LTV limit for homes from HDB from 90% to 85%. In addition, the government will also increase public and private housing supply to cater to demand. 
In other words, the government is trying to reduce speculation and excessive capitalization in the property markets. Once again, throwing the question of, is the property market in Singapore really a great investment up in the air? This definitely calls for a longer discussion, but I hope that we can move away from the ready rebuttal of, but at least huh, it will be there, ma, right? I got the property, I will not lose everything. Firstly, no one invests to lose. But like we've established, your property is a highly leveraged asset. If a huge correction happens in the property market, it will greatly impact you. You may lose more than everything, but hey, good news is, for the first-time property buyers like you and I, nothing has really changed, especially if you're looking to buy a home. The only two changes are TDSR, Total Debt Servicing Ratio coming down to 55% from 60% and LTV limits for loans from HDB coming down from 90% to 85%. To put it simply, uh, for the many people looking for a normal home within their means, the biggest change you will experience is you gotta pay 5% more in your initial down payment. But in the case of HDB, you can use your CPF to handle that. There's no change to that. So for the many typical couple with income around the median wage of 4.4 thousand each, looking to buy a very normal forum HDB flat, not some pinnacle at Duxton la, Topayo, Tiongbaru, all that, you get what I mean, huh? For the many of you not looking at that, I would say you're not really impacted. You may have to take out a little bit more from your CPF, but it doesn't adversely impact your access to your first HDB flat. So that is the good news. However, as the government continues to engineer more control into the property market, you can be pretty certain that the rate of return will be dampened. You will get your grants, you will get your flat. But I believe gone are the days of striking you rich by owning a flat. So it's a good reminder for us to be awakened from the simple mindset of property being a great investment. Just buy only. Just buy. Buy now better than buy later. <laughs> what a scary mindset if you ask me. Okay, so with that update, I think it is a wrap for Coconut Avenue Season 2. I'm going to cede the stage to Andrew and Lynn, our CPF rep, to go through all the FAQs that people have when it comes to CPF and their property purchase. At the end, I will come back to do this whole debrief vibes with everyone to kind of talk a little bit more about the personal lessons that I've learned and reiterate some of these core ideas. But if you're done with this now, great, good enough. I think by now, you should be confident and ready for your property buying journey. Thank you for listening to Coconut Avenue Season 2. Take care. What do people often misunderstand about the CPF housing scheme? Okay, I think the most um, common misconception is that you can use um, all your CPF savings to buy a house. Yep, so the fact is our members can use their CPF ordinary account savings to buy their property and pay for the housing loan that is taken for the property. They can also um, use it for like buyer stamp duty as well as legal fee. But... Um, for example, your CPF ordinary account savings cannot be used for things like um, resale levy, um, cash over market valuation for your resale property, yeah, as well as like agent's commission.
Mm, cannot be used for cash over market valuations. Could you explain a bit more about that? Okay, so um, take for example, right now, if I'm to buy a flat that is valued at 500000 you are going to sell me that flat at 530000 30,000 is considered cash over market valuation. Mm. Yeah, so this 30,000 has to be paid for in cash. Mm, cannot yeah. use CPF. Mm, CPF cannot be used. Okay, what, what else? What other misunderstandings or people get wrong about the CPF housing scheme? People might think that they can actually use their CPF savings for non-housing loans. When I say non-housing loans, um, this is typically um, loans taken on private property, not for the purpose of purchasing the property, but um, for the purpose of cashing out. So CPF savings cannot be used for non-housing loans. Non-housing loans. Mm. Uh, I know you explained it, but I still don't quite get it. What, uh, what do you mean? Okay, so take for example, right now I have a private property that is um, fully paid. Yeah, and I'm going to remortgage this property to the bank. Yeah, so my monthly installment for the loan taken is take for example three thousand. This has to be paid for in cash. Your CPF savings cannot be used for this monthly installment because this loan is taken not for the purpose to buy the property, but as a remortgage to cash out on your private property. Mm. So I think the main misunderstanding that we are talking about so far is that you, you think you can use all of your CPF. Yes, correct. But actually you can't. Mm. So there are certain housing limits in place. So what are the limits? Can you tell me about it? Okay. So the um, amount of CPF savings that you can use for housing depends on the type of loan that you are taking. Um, whether you are already using your CPF to service other properties, um, as well as whether the property's remaining lease can cover the youngest buyer to at least age 95. So we, we term this home for life. So if the property is non-home for life, the CPF usage should be prorated based on the extent that the remaining lease can last the youngest owner to age 95. Okay, you mentioned three housing limits, right? Can we go through them one by one? Yeah, sure. So um, the first one earlier we mentioned, um, it depends on the type of loan that you are taking. Right, type of loan, okay. Mm, correct. So if you are buying a flat directly from HDB and taking a HDB loan, mm. then you can use all your ordinary account savings to pay for the loan. This is only for BTOs, the flat that is bought directly from HDB. Mm. So assuming that you are buying a resale flat, and you are taking a HDB loan, then um, the limit will apply. So you can use up to the lower of the purchase price or the valuation of the flat. Mm. Okay. And assuming that you have set aside your basic retirement sum, yep, you'll be able to continue the use of your ordinary account savings towards the flat. How about bank loans? Yeah, so if let's say you are taking a you are, you are buying a HDB flat or a private property and you are taking a bank loan, um, similarly you can use your ordinary account savings up to the lower of the purchase price or the valuation price. And if you have set aside the basic retirement sum in your CPF account, you can use another twenty percent of your ordinary account savings towards this. But um, for the balance, you have to actually use cash to service your housing loan. Yeah. All right. And then the second housing limit. So, um, if let's say you are buying a subsequent property, that means this is no longer your first property, in order to use your CPF ordinary account, you need to be able to set aside your basic retirement sum before you can use your ordinary account savings in excess of your basic retirement sum. Okay, alright. And the third one is where I get tripped up. <laughs> Could you repeat the third housing limit again? Okay. 
whether the property's remaining lease can cover the youngest buyer to at least age 95. We term this home for life. So if the property is non-home for life, the CPF usage should be prorated based on the extent that the remaining lease can last the youngest owner to age 95. How do you remember all this? <laughs> Off your mind. It's, it's a lot of information to hold. I mean, for, for ordinary citizens like myself, it's very confusing, right? I know, I know. You know? So, so when I first joined the board, it, it, it is quite confusing for me as well. Yeah, but over time, because I need to like, you know, answer right. <laughs> inquiries. Yeah, okay, it's good okay. to have it at the back of my head. I think it will be mm, useful to think about it in, in the form of what is our CPF used for, right? Mm. I mean... Is it correct for me to say that the, the main purpose of CPF is still for retirement? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so that's mm. the, 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 the goal that supersedes all other goals, yes, right? I mean, correct. yes, you can use CPF to pay for housing, but ultimately CPF is there to help you in your retirement, mm-hmm. in your golden years, mm. so to speak. So if it, if it doesn't last me uh, up to 95 years old, what, what will happen? Mm. Do we work through an example? Can we work with some numbers? <laughs> okay, yeah. um, actually, um, I think it would be easier if members could actually um, go online to mm. use the CPF housing usage calculator. Ah, okay. Housing mm. usage calculator. Just yes. curious about the name. What does it mean actually? Um, okay. So the housing usage calculator will, will walk you through. So it will ask you um, some questions and from your input, right, you'll let you'll compute how much you can use. Yeah. So actually the CPF website has a lot of tools that you can use. Mm. So apart um, from the housing CPF usage. housing usage calculator right. that I mentioned that helps you to compute how much you can use for your property, um, you can also look into our first home calculator, mm. which actually um, helps you to estimate your eligible housing loan and um, the property that you should be looking at. So it helps you to budget the property price you should be looking at that is within your income and your ability to service the loan. So mm-hmm. that's the first home calculator. Yeah. Okay. And any other tools that the CPF website provides? Um, I think another useful tool that member can look at would be um, to log in with their SingPass um, into my CPF online services. So that will actually mm. um, allow them to view the principle that they have withdrawn towards their property and its accrued interest. Okay. Mm, this okay. will um, allow them to, to know how much they need to refund when they sell their property. Okay, the accrued interest is referring to the 2.5% interest that you're supposed to get. Yes, on the correct. That's right, that's right. So, uh, about that rule, right? Mm. So, we all know that we use CPF to service our mortgage loan. Yeah. And then, upon selling our property, we will need to well, put back the money that we use. Mm. And on top of that, the accrued 2.5% that you're supposed to earn on your CPF OA, mm. ordinary account. Correct. Can tell us a bit about the, the rationale behind that. Okay, so earlier um, we mentioned that the main objective of CPF um, savings is for retirement, right? Yeah, so when you when you sell your property, um, you need to refund the CPF principal you have withdrawn for your property together with its accrued interest. So this accrued interest um, is the interest that you would have earned on your CPF savings if you had not used it towards your house towards mm. your property. Yep, so a few percentages you need to take note because your for HDB loan, for example, the interest rate right now is 2.6% mm-hmm. and you need to return that amount mm-hmm. and then after that, the accrued 2.5% interest that you are supposed to earn on your ordinary account mm. and this is supposed to work towards your retirement. Yes, yeah. correct. Um, refunding this accrued interest Yep, together with the principle you have used for the property, you right, actually restore your CPF savings to what it should have been yeah, and thus um, secure your retirement savings. 
Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's, it's still your CPF account. Yeah. Right? You're putting it back into your CPF account. Yes. What other things that we need to take note of in terms of like putting it back into our CPF account? For example, housing grants. You know, we might have some housing grants when we mm-hmm. apply for our HDB. Do I need to, to return them as well when I sell them, sell my property? Uh, yes, you have to. Oh, so, okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. What, what, what grants do I have to return? Okay. So housing grants are actually um, provided for by HDB and it's credited into your CPF account. So it actually forms part of your CPF savings. Yeah. So um, you're required to refund this amount together with accrued interest when you sell your property together with the CPF savings you have used for your property. If you are below 55, right, these refunded monies will go to your ordinary account. They'll be credited back to your ordinary account. Yeah. And if you are above um, age 55, the refunded monies that's credited to your ordinary account will first um, go into your retirement account to meet your full retirement sum before the balance are paid out to you in cash. Okay, because remember our first priority, right? Your, yeah. your retirement amount. And so it is supposed to help you mm. in meeting your full retirement sum. And Correct. therefore, it flows into the retirement account first to yes. meet the full retirement sum. Mm. If you're above 55, mm. once your full retirement sum is met, right, the balance will be paid out to you in cash. Yeah, but one thing I want to highlight um, is that the housing refund that is used to top up your RA to your full retirement sum um, is meant for retirement needs and so cannot be used for housing. Yep. So if you want to purchase your next property, yep. Yep, you can use your available ordinary account savings, the balance housing refund that's paid out to you in cash and the cash proceeds that you have from the sale of your property. But you wouldn't be able to use the amount that's refunded to your retirement account to meet your full retirement sum. Mm, so this affects those who are above 55 years old mm. and it affects the, the way you think about uh, liquidity because you, you might be thinking, that, oh, I'm going to get a huge sum of money, right? You need to realize that part of it needs to go into your retirement account to mm. fulfill your full retirement sum unless you fulfilled it. Yes, correct. Yeah, if that, you have already fulfilled thing. it, right, then um, basically the housing refund will be paid out to you in cash. Okay. So tell us about the whole process. Let's say, you know, a, a couple goes to the BTO or somebody is uh, buying a private property. What's the process? of using my CPF? Is it the lawyers? You know, how, how do I get to use my CPF? Okay. Um, so to, to use your CPF, if let's say you are buying a HDB, right, um, you actually need to go to HDB to complete the CPF withdrawal form. Mm. Yep, so this can be done in the HDB office. If you are getting a private property loan, or rather for private property purchase, um, your lawyer can, com- can submit an online application on your behalf. Okay, so mm. that's all you need to do. Yeah. So we talk a bit about eligibility, mm. right? Uh, but is there any other things we need to take note of in terms of eligibility to, to use our CPF? Mm, yeah, I think, I think I should highlight that um, you can use your CPF ordinary account savings to buy a flat or a property, but it cannot be used if the remaining lease of the property is 20 years or less. Mm, so this has nothing to do with whether... It, whether you're up to 95 years old, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, it's, it's, if it's less than 20 years in the lease. Mm, you won't be able to use your CPF savings towards the property. There's a discussion about using either cash or CPF. Should I use cash or CPF for my housing loan? What is your take on this? Okay, I, I think many of us, right, when we first buy our flat or property, we are, we are relatively young. Yeah, correct. Maybe just about to get married, just about to start a family. At, at that point in time, we may not have um, much cash savings on hand. So we would prefer to use our CPF savings so that we have the liquidity for expenses like furniture and renovation. Yeah, at least that's, that's the case for me. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, so after a few years into the working force, um, when you are in a much stronger financial position, I think this question would come to mind. Like, should I start using cash rather than CPF to service my housing loan? And I think it's a very valid question because um, CPF, ordinary account savings, earns you an attractive risk-free interest rate of 2.5%. Yeah, correct. And given the low um, interest rate environment in the banks now, it may be worth using cash rather than CPF to pay for your housing loan. Mm. Mm, correct. So um, one thing to do is you may want to consider using part cash, part CPF, or if um, you have used your CPF savings towards your house, you can also consider making a voluntary refund towards um, this amount that you have used so that you can start growing your retirement savings in your CPF. Mm, tell mm. us more about the voluntary refund. How does that work? Um, you can do it online. It's actually mm. quite seamless. Yep. So you can actually make a voluntary refund up to the principal that you have withdrawn for the property and it's accrued interest. Okay, so you need not wait until the end. You can, you can start volunteering to refund it back right now. Yeah, correct. So if you are in a, um, a comfortable financial position and you would like to start thinking about your retirement savings, then um, one way is to make voluntary cash refund. So if you make a voluntary cash refund, right, your refunded savings would earn you interest to build up your retirement nest egg. Mm-hmm. Mm. Or if you put in OA, 2.5% interest from the point onwards that you put back into your CPF OA, right? Mm. So we cover lots of specifics. Let's take a, a broader perspective. Mm. Right? So owning a home, getting a home is part of the Singaporean dream. We all yep. want to own property. How does CPF play a part in that? Okay, um, so CPF helps us to set aside funds during our working years and help us to grow our monies at an attractive, um, risk-free interest rate. To me, it's like a form of forced savings and I believe uh, many of us can um, own a property because of the savings that we accumulate in our CPF accounts. So that's the clear objective for every CPF account. While ordinary account helps us to achieve our housing goals, um, we have other accounts like the special account, retirement account, that um, has a longer term objective, which is retirement. So these accounts cannot be used for housing. Okay. Mm. You know, the the economy is changing and COVID has changed the way we work. There's a lot more remote working and more freelancers right now. Mm -hmm. And because of that, the CPF that they are getting, the monthly contribution might not be stable. More Singaporeans are doing freelance work. So how could CPF still help us to achieve our goal of owning a flat? What you have mentioned earlier, self-employed Singaporeans, uh, they are only required to top up their Medisave account. So um, they won't receive any employer CPF contribution. So it might not be feasible for them to use their CPF savings to um, buy a property and to pay their housing loan. Um, it's important for them to do their financial planning prudently um, so that while using cash to pay for their house, they also ensure that they have enough um, for their retirement needs. Okay. Mm. Okay. Uh, I want to tap on your experience. You know, you help people to solve their issues. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, off your mind, you take your time. You know, off your mind from your experience. Uh, what are some of the the common uh, issues that you have to help to resolve for people, CPF members? Right? Yeah, I, I guess um, these are misconceptions that that we try to. Um, explain to members so that members um, can understand where the scheme is coming from. So maybe I can touch on one um, common misconception which mm. I haven't touched on earlier. Okay. Yeah. So so members often think that if they sell their property and the selling price after deducting the outstanding housing loan is insufficient to pay the principal they have used um, for the property and its accrued interest, they have to top up in cash. 
Yep, so this is actually not true. If the property is so at or above market valuation, um, the members do not have to top up the shortfall in cash. We all have to return the principal plus the accrued interest. And if I, if I sold and then I, I don't have enough, I thought that I have to top it up. But you're saying that as long as I'm selling it at or above market valuation, I don't have to top up. I don't have to do anything. Okay, I think that's definitely something a lot of people might not know about. Yes, correct. Right? But in, in such cases, um, I just want to bring up that any option monies, such as option fee or option exercise fee received from the buyer, are still considered part of the selling price and need to be refunded to your CPF account to complete the transaction. Okay, but you mentioned only if it's sold at or above market valuation. Yes, correct. And uh, well, I'm trying to guess that it's trying to account for a market that is not doing too well. I suppose. Yes, correct. So, so you might ask on um, what happens if I have to sell my property below market valuation, right? The, the bottom line is to recover the principal you have used and the accrued interest so that we can ensure retirement adequacy. If let's say the property is sold below market valuation, on a case-by-case basis, members are required to show proof that they have um, tried to sell their property at market value. What kind of proof are we talking about? Um, it could be advertisements mm. or even from URA recent transactions. Um, we can see prices of recent transactions of similar flat types in the same estate. Yep. So we will use um, this for our assessment. Yep. So as I've mentioned earlier, um, this is on a case-by-case basis. One of the reasons is we want to prevent um, undervaluing the property. And we want to ensure that the property is sold at a reasonable market price so that um, members can refund their principal and accrued interest to yeah, ensure retirement adequacy. You might run into this situation mm. by you know, go to CPF and then it's case-by-case basis to determine whether you need to return the, the shortfall. Yes, that's correct. Okay, before we wrap up this part of the conversation, is there anything else that you think we should know about in terms of using your CPF for housing? Okay, so um, earlier I highlighted that if the refund is um, being made to your retirement account to top up your full retirement sum, you wouldn't be able to use um, this sum that's in your RA for your next property. Yeah. So I think another thing that I should highlight is that if you are turning 55 yeah, and you intend to continue to use your ordinary account savings towards your housing loan or to buy your next property, you should reserve this sum before it's being transferred to your retirement account when you are 55. Because when you turn 55, the retirement account will be formed. Yeah, and when the retirement account is formed, your special account savings and your ordinary account savings will be swept to form your RA. Right. Yes, correct. So once once this is done, once your OA savings is swept to form your RA, you wouldn't be able to use the sum for your house anymore. Mm, so before turning 55, if let's say you have the intention to continue to use your CPF savings towards your flat, or you intend to buy your next property or flat, right? Then you should reserve this sum in your ordinary account before it's being swept to form your RE. Okay. Mm. So before you buy your property, even, you should really understand all these requirements. <laughs> yes. Go make use of all the, the tools on CPF website to make mm. sure that you, you are able to service it and you have the expectations of how much you need to put back into your CPF after you sold your property. Correct. Okay. Mm. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. Welcome. Okay. So wrapping up this season... I think we've done a lot in this season to try to go through all the information. It's pretty scattered. A lot of great blogs out there. They're writing a lot of stuff, which is amazing and beautiful. But I will say a lot of them are not 
talking about the fundamentals, the ideas. They're just dropping you numbers. So without a framework to think of anything, even with more information, it's not going to help you because you have no basis of thought. So while I was putting together this episode together with the team, We've managed to talk to a lot of very smart people and also read through a lot of interesting content to give me some confidence. At least now, right, when I buy my first property, if it's not a GCB, <laughs> like I said, uh, Nassim Drive GCB, uh, we're going to list TFC. Uh, if it's not a GCB, it's just a HDB property that, like, you know, like most of you, we will get it. Uh, I'm very confident. I know what to look out for. I know what to do. I know that the HDB ecosystem is extremely guided and uh, quite idiot-proof, I would say. Huh? The Wild Wild West or the private property space, yes, with the OTP, la, you know, all that jazz, uh, a lot of those things are a lot more complicated. But internally, I will say some of the core ideas will be that property and mortgage are two separate things. You can be part of the mortgage and not be part of the property. You can be part of the property and not be part of the mortgage, right? So it is a very interesting idea. They have separate measures also. Different things affect them and you want to see them separately. Sometimes the government will have measures for mortgages but not for property, right? They never restrict your property access. They never say you cannot buy but they affect you know, the mortgage that you can get. They affect the loan amount that you can get, right? So it is... Uh, Interesting to see them separate and recognize they have different dynamics. The other interesting thing that I've gathered through this whole season will be that maybe for more people, we should check our mortgages first before we go and property shopping process. It's very exciting, right? You and your partner, or maybe you, you've, you've worked a few years and you'll be like, okay, I'm going to buy my first property. And you're very excited, you want to go and buy. But you go through all these process, after a while it gets a bit tiring because you're shopping, right? At first, very exciting one. After that, it can be shen. And then after that, you've decided, okay, this is what I want. And then you'll be like, oh, actually, I cannot afford. My mortgages didn't get approved. So to kind of mitigate that process, I will say, hey, check your mortgages. Whether or not you use Mortgage Master, that's another thing. They sponsor us. But, you know, I think at least you should go and check your mortgages before you begin shopping. And also, I would say the third idea that I vividly recognize is the people that are trying to make investments in the property space and the people that are trying to buy a home have very different goals. And don't try to mix them up because when you're trying to get a home, your goals are you know, cozy, affordable, someplace that you can grow a family. But then when you try to factor in a lot of investment, like capital appreciation, like all those things, are. Uh, yeah, it becomes a little bit too complicated. There are different incentive structures that are built in it. If you're looking to invest, I think there are a lot of other options out there today. You don't really just need property. And in season one, we've interviewed a lot of people, right? Um, you can check them all out, right? And hopefully in the seasons to come or as we convert Coconut Avenue into an investment podcast, uh, there'll be a lot more discussion there. Either way, these are some of the core ideas that I have gathered. I will say for many people that are trying to buy your first HDB, it's probably not that difficult, really. Don't so scared like Dan and Lydia, okay? It's fine. And yes, I think HDB should sponsor us, huh? Go and tag HDB. Uh, they want to sell Tengah flat, they should ask me be ambassador. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Next episode will be a live Q&A where I'm trying to get all of them, all the experts and all the people that you hear to come on and give us some, you know, ask, answer your direct questions. So all the questions that you have. So specific question, this, that, whatever you, bring them to the next episode. We will go live. And uh, follow our socials to get updated on when we will go live on episode 10 of Coconut Avenue.